All right, go ahead and uh, open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 12. Last month, I kicked off uh, the Connected series talking about worldliness. So we're just talking about entertainment, media, technology. Um, You know, I can't give you guys a line in the sand to draw. I can't give you a rating system to base on what you do. So what we're talking about are just some biblical principles, categories we can have to discern what are the right things to be watching, listening to, participating in? What are things we should avoid? So last month, we talked about 1 John 2.15, which says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I gave you this quote by C.J. Mahaney. He said, Today, the greatest challenge facing American evangelicals, facing Christians is not persecution from the world, but seduction by the world. And so we saw that though we have access to all these things online and at our fingertips, we are not to love many of these things. And the issues that we have to look at, just reviewing last month, is our hearts. We can be ungodly in what we watch, what we look at, what we read. Uh, Every moment of the day, whether we realize it or not, we are making choices between loving God and loving this world. And there is a way to be God-centered while engaging the world around us. And that's kind of what I want to help you learn, is how, how can we be God-honoring, God-centered, as we interact with all these things in the world around us? And it really takes discernment. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight, is how do we get discernment to know What are things that are worldly, that are trying to seduce us, that are trying to pull us away from God? And what are things that are fun and we can participate in and enjoy as a gift from God? And we have to to learn how to discern those things. So Romans chapter 12, we're just going to look at one verse tonight. It's going to be our main verse we're going to study. Romans 12 verse 2. And this is what God's Word says to us tonight. It says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect acceptable, and perfect. So the question for tonight, I want you to ask yourself, we're going to look at these two things, two categories, Romans 12, 2 gives us two questions, really is, am I being conformed or transformed? Am I, am I growing more to look like this world, or am I growing more each day to look like Christ? Which direction am I hitting? And the choices I'm making each day with what I do on social media, what I do on watching videos and on my phone, the choices I'm making, are they conforming me to this world or am I being transformed? Is my mind being renewed? Am I discerning the will of God? And how does that happen? So first thing I want to talk about is that first question, am I being conformed to this world? Because Romans 12, 2 very clearly tells us, do not do this. Do not be conform, do not be molded, do not let yourself 
look like and, and take the values on of this world around us. And it's so easy to do that. 2005, neuroscientist Gregory Burns conducted an experiment to try to gauge how people respond to pressure of their peers around them. He created this social groups and this experiment where people came into a room five at a time and they had these two objects that were obviously not the same. And he just asked them the question, are these two things the same? And he made it very obvious these two things are not the same. There was clear differences like different colors or different objects completely. And he would rig it where four of the people were told to say that these different objects were the same thing. And he wanted to see how the fifth person responded. So you could just imagine walking into this room and you're with five people and you're looking at these two very different things and, he, and, and they ask you, are these the same thing? If they're the same thing, raise your hand. And four people would raise their hand and the fifth person would look at them and look at the things. And then 40% of the people, four out of 10 people, would raise their hand with the four other people, even though the objects were clearly not the same thing. And the whole experiment was just to prove how much we want to fit in, how much what other people think, what they agree with, we, we want to be with them. If everyone stands up to do something, we want to stand up too. Sometimes we don't even know why we're standing up, you know? You may have caught yourself singing a VeggieTales song. You have no idea anything about VeggieTales, and you're standing there singing like a moron because everyone else was doing it. That's the great thing about Relay. We, we force you to do stuff like that, but you've probably, I'm guessing everybody in here has felt that pressure at some point, that pressure to conform to those around you. Maybe they're, they're watching something, they're doing something, and you're going, I don't know if this is wise or helpful, but if everyone else is doing it, well, I'm going to do it too. And he said there, there's strong pressure to do that. And we need to catch on to the seduction and schemes of this world and recognize how prone our hearts are to conform to things around us. And the thing, the problem is, is to understand why we desire to conform or be like others or to conform to this world. The reason why we want to fit in so often is because of sin and how sin works. Sin draws us in. It lures us in. This is what James 1 verses 14 through 15 says. This is what's going on in our hearts when we feel that pressure and that desire to conform to the world around us. James says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so we see this progress, this, this procession going on where we're tempted. Something is appealing to us. Maybe it's four other people raising their hand and, and we don't want to be the only one out. Or, or even when we're online, you know, we see something and we're enticed by it. It's luring us. It's calling us to click on it, to check it out. And then our desire comes up. And we have to make a decision, am I going to do this, you know? And when that desire, when we follow that desire, gives birth to sin, we commit this sin. And if we follow that, this leads to death, James tells us. And you know who understands, who understands James very well, James 1, 14 and 15? Even though they wouldn't tell you they understand it really well? I think marketers and advertisers understand this really well. Web designers understand this. That's their whole goal. 
It's to lure you in. It's to entice you. It's to capture your attention and your desire and to get you to click on something because they know. They study and they research and they study the human heart and they know if we put this image on here and we put it on the side, if they're looking for this and we put this right here, their eyes are going to be drawn to it and it's going to lure them. It's going to entice them. They're going to click on it and then we get them clicking more and then we get more advertising dollars. You know, if you've ever had the experience growing up of you're watching something and some advertisement comes on and all of a sudden, even though five minutes before you didn't want that thing, now you really crave that thing. Uh, I, I, I quit drinking most sodas years ago, but when those Coke commercials come on and there's the little sizzle at top, you know, when they open it and it goes, and the bubbles come up and they pour it, you know, and the little bubbles are on top, that gets me. I'm like, man, like my mouth starts watering. I'm like, I just want a Coke so bad right now put some cherry in there, you know, and that's kind of an innocent thing. It's not sinful, but just imagine how they're studying you, and they know we can entice you, we can lure you with this image, this immodest picture, or this advertisement, or, or something that, that you crave, and we know what you desire, your sin desires. I was talking to a guy this morning who had bought a new car, and he was telling this group of guys they were asking him, like, when did you decide to get that car? Like, we just talked to you last week. And he was like, yeah, I wasn't planning on getting a new car. And then I just went down to this dealership because it had a twin turbo V6 engine in it. And he said, I just really wanted to test drive it. And then I went down there and I test drove it. And a few hours later, you know, I had a $30,000 new car. I was like, wow, man, like... You can just see, I just thought that was kind of an impulsive purchase, you know, but just kind of lured him in, enticed him in, and that happens all the time. It's how the Bible describes in James 1 how we're conformed to this world. It starts very small, this temptation, this enticing, and it brings forth sin, and it leads to death. So when you combine our sinful hearts and desires and the way technology appeals and lures our desires. It's a recipe to be conformed to this world. And I think one of the problems is we don't think about what's happening or what we're watching. I think one of the reasons we're often conformed to this world is how thoughtless we are in what we're actually looking at. So often we watch or we scroll or we go through social media just because we're bored, isn't it? We just we pull out our phone, we turn on TV, we play a game because we don't have a plan for our time. I heard one guy describing it as we unwatchingly watch. I think that's a good description of what we do. We're not thinking about what we're actually watching. We're just, you know, scrolling, we're finding something, we're going to the next video, we're unwatchingly watching. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do, you know, to, to get on social media, to watch videos. It's just how thoughtless we are at the content. And how you have to understand, like, as Romans 12 tells us, we don't just drift into godliness. Where we often drift is into worldliness. And when we start being thoughtless in what we're doing and what we're looking at online, we just start drifting. We start conforming to this world. Uh, I think part of it is because we're lazy. We just get lulled to sleep. We're, we're passive is a good word for it. You know, we're just spectators. We're not thinking about what we're looking at. We're not praying about what's going on in our hearts. I saw this, um, this website of this photographer who was watching her son. He, she had this uh, son that was in preschool, and she was watching him 
as he was watching TV. And she went beside the TV and she started taking pictures of her son to see his facial expressions, what was happening as he was watching TV. And she started doing this thing where she had her friends, uh, her son's preschool friends over and she did the same thing with them. And the pictures of them watching TV is a description, I think, of what we often do when we look at online. So we have some pictures. Uh, this, is, this is the kids' friends as they're like watching. She said, you can go to Netflix and pick any show out you want and you can just watch it. And she said, taking pictures, she never... <laughs> That's probably half your faces when you pull out your phone, you know? This one... Oh, this one looks sad. <laughs> I don't know what she's watching, but... And, and this is the picture, this last one, the next one is the one I want to ingrain in your mind. I mean, this is this kid watching a show on TV. And I saw that and I thought, man, what a picture of what we're like as we're, you know, watching just, okay, you can take that off now. Like, that's, don't have that face right now, like, as I'm talking, like, oh, but I saw that and I thought, man, what a picture of probably what our face is like. And, and I think it's a picture of just how we're not engaged as we're participating in the world around us. It's at our fingertips and we're just numb, just scrolling, watching, just receiving information, receiving values, receiving worldly things, and we're not processing and thinking about it as we watch. I saw another video um, by, by, um, on the same website of this photographer where a guy actually did video clips of teenagers playing video games, and I can't even show it to you. It was so concerning to me. Um, some of the facial expressions, the anger. Um, one of the kids was playing this video game, and he didn't know he was being filmed or he wasn't paying attention, and he was chasing down somebody, and he kept saying, come here, get over here, let me stab you. Come here, let me stab you. Just quit running, let me stab you to death. And I was watching this video just like, oh my goodness, like, I don't think he realizes what he's saying or what he's doing. It's so concerning. Uh, and those pictures, I thought, you know, if we think about it, that's probably a lot of our hearts as we engage in TV shows, YouTube videos, social media, seeing what our friends are doing, where they're traveling, you know, pictures they're posting. Like the way we're thinking about it is we're probably not thinking. And what you don't understand is all this information and, and shows and storylines and movies, all these things have values behind them. People post pictures on social media, there's a value they're communicating. And our hearts are soaking all of that information in. So take that idea right there, okay? Take that picture of these kids watching TV and then look back at your Bible at Romans 12 too, okay? Do not be conformed to this world. We have to fight against this. We have to fight against our desire to conform. We have to fight against um, being lured and enticed in by these things, by being deceived by our sin. You know, we have to fight against this to grow in godliness. So the first question is, ask yourself, am I being conformed to this world? Are my habits, my media habits, my online habits, the things I'm doing with my phone, are they conforming me to this world when God tells me not to do that? Okay, secondly, am I being transformed by God? 
So Romans 12, 2 says there's another way we can go. Don't, don't be conformed to this world, but this is what God would have us to do. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing you might discern the will of God, things that are good and acceptable and perfect. Renewing your mind takes work and discipline. It takes thoughtfulness in what you watch and play and look at. We need to test things to discern, is this the will of God? That's a great question to ask. Is this the will of God? And what I'm watching and what I'm scrolling through, is this the will of God? And one of the tools God has given us is a conscience. Hey, we don't talk a lot about this, but every human being, God creates us with this wonderful tool, this conscience. When I was a kid uh, in cartoons, whenever a character was torn about whether or not they should do something, like whether they should lie or do something bad, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. This, was, this happened a lot when I was a kid, but in the cartoon, on the person's shoulder would pop up a little angel. Have you ever seen this? And on this shoulder would pop up a little demon, and they'd be like talking to the person like, hey, and I always thought it was sad how wimpy the angel was, like, hey, you don't want to do that, be nice to people. And the devil was like, come on, man, do it, you'll feel better, you know? I think the last time I saw this in a movie, uh, I think we have a picture of this, is the Emperor's New Groove. So, you guys remember this? Yes, I remember this, and it's like going back and forth. Uh, that's not really how our conscience works, by the way. It's not like the angel and demon on the side of us. But I think that's kind of, you know, it's representing temptation and the knowledge of what is good that we should do and this battle going on inside of us. So God has given us this to help us to know when we're doing something that doesn't please Him, when, when we know this is wrong. And you'll often feel your conscience prick you. And it'll tell you, you know, you shouldn't do this. There's something wrong about this. If we want to hide something, if we want to lie about it, if we don't want others to see it, that's our conscience saying, maybe there's something not right about this. John MacArthur describes the conscience as a built-in warning system that signals us when something we have done is wrong. He says the conscience is to our souls what pain sensors are to our bodies. It inflicts distress in the form of guilt whenever we violate what our hearts tell us is right. Here's the thing about our conscience, okay? It has to be calibrated. It has to be informed and instructed by God's Word. And when it's calibrated, when we go to God's Word and we read, this is what God wants for us. So Thessalonian, this is God's will for you, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That informs our conscience. I am to completely abstain from this in all of its form. So our conscience is now informed. This is God's will. And so when something comes up, immodest or pornographic or something inappropriate, our conscience is saying, you know, our sinful desires and our flesh are saying, hey, this is appealing and you want to go down this path. But our conscience is saying, this is wrong. This doesn't honor the Lord. And we have to learn to follow our conscience in these moments. It's a helpful guide. It, it pricks us when we're doing something wrong. And here's the thing about our conscience. It can also be deceived. It can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So every time we ignore it, every time um, we excuse it away, every time we lie and don't confess and recalibrate it, we keep getting hardened to the deceitfulness of sin and we become a little more worldly and we grow a little bit more like this world being conformed to it 
And instead of being renewed, our minds and being transformed, we become a little bit more like this world. Uh, I think a story that kind of illustrates this, which is funny, you would find this in a Disney story, is the story, does anyone remember the story of Pinocchio? Do you guys, how many of you guys know the story of Pinocchio? Okay, a lot of you do. Uh, what a terrifying cartoon. I watched it as a little kid. It was horrifying. I hated Pinocchio. I forgot about it until this week, and I remembered it. So you remember Pinocchio. So you had the woodcarver, Geppetto, wants his puppet Pinocchio to be a real boy. So once the wish is granted, once he becomes a boy, Jiminy Cricket is assigned to be Pinocchio's conscience. And it's terrifying because Pinocchio doesn't stay a little boy for long. He falls in with the wrong crowd, uh, and his lack of truth-telling gets him into trouble. His nose grows long as a sign that lies eventually become as plain as the nose on your face. And so as he continues to lie and he continues to ignore uh, Jiminy Cricket, Pinocchio starts turning into a donkey. So you remember this? He starts growing donkey ears and he blurts out, hee-haw, you know, he's uncontrollably. And this is where Pinocchio terrified me as a kid because these donkey ears start popping out, this tail sprouts, and then he begins turning into this like donkey. I think we have one more picture, which is just like hee-hawing out and stuff. Uh, but what's interesting, and I didn't think about this as a child, probably because it's way over my head at that point, but really the, 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 the crux of the tale is that as Pinocchio ignores his conscience, he becomes more and more like an animal, like a beast. He becomes less human as he lies and he ignores Jiminy Cricket and he ignores what he knows is right. He almost becomes like this animal donkey, you know, this ridiculous figure. And I think there's some truth in that as we ignore our conscience when we lie and we hide things and we do things inappropriate and we're getting hardened by sin. It's kind of like we lose some of what God created us to be, the human beings God created us to be. It's why it's so important that we keep recalibrating our conscience, keep coming back to God's word. It's so important to listen to sermons, um, to pay attention on Sunday mornings, to take notes, to think about what the pastor is teaching. It's so important to inform our conscience to come to God's Word consistently every day, morning or night or after school, at some point going to God's Word and informing our conscience with God's will. We have to recalibrate our conscience to go through this world and to make sure we're not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds. Uh, and I'll just tell you this. Um, being a Christian for 23 years and fighting sin and informing my conscience, confessing sin, bringing it to the light, it is so much more freeing and joyful and satisfying um, to live in the good of the gospel than to live in sin. Sin will deceive you. It will tell you. It will bring this joy if you follow its path. It will lure you and entice you. And you think... This is where joy is. This is where satisfaction is. If I buy this thing, if I watch this thing, you know, I promise you, that is not freeing. That is slavery. And I just, you have to learn that sometimes the hard way when you give into it. And as soon as your conscience makes you aware or, or you feel guilty or ashamed of something you've done, there's so much freedom in confessing it, bringing it to your parents, bringing it to the light, receiving the gospel, being forgiven for that, 
you know, receiving the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the joy of knowing God, such a better life than being conformed to this world. Um, the Puritans would often use this phrase, quorum Deo, in the presence of God or before the face of God. To, to live in the fear of God and to live before God and to do things to honor God and the freedom and joy so freeing to honor the Lord. So some simple questions to calibrate your conscience in the things that you are watching. So our goal is, Romans 12, 2, we want our minds to be renewed because we're just, the world is all around us. Our hearts are the issue. We want to be transformed. We want to test to discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect in the things we're doing. So a few questions to ask yourself. Number one, is this pleasing to the Lord? Okay, it's a simple question. But if you can't give thanks for something, if you can't thank God for it, probably not something to do. You know, like there's so many movies you can watch. Um, there's a lot of en entertainment choices that you can come to the end of that and you can thank God for that. You know, uh, for me, I, we love watching sporting events. We love watching football. And we just hit a point where you can't get to the end of a UT game and thank God for it. So we're just like, you know what? It's the will of God. We're not, we're going to go hiking today. That's what we're going to do, you know? Um, but ask yourself, like after you watch something, while you're watching something, when you're about to say, when you're about to choose what you're going to do, be thoughtful. Don't just blindly follow and click and just scroll through. But ask yourself, is this pleasing to the Lord? If it's not, is there something else I could be doing with my time that would be pleasing to the Lord? Okay, number two, does what I'm watching make something sinful look good? This is what so many entertainment and media and things do. They make something sinful look good. Does it make immorality look appealing? Does it make materialism look like the good life? Does it look like if you just own this or buy this that it will satisfy your soul? It's making something sinful look good. Sin is often rewarded in shows and movies. It's shown as being appealing. It's shown if you follow your heart, if you do this, then you'll be satisfied. And let me just tell you, you can have a well-written story. There's so many different ones that show sin for what it is. As destructive, as grieving, as, as ruinous to our lives. There's many movies and shows I've watched that show how anger is destructive. It shows revenge as a negative quality. It can show how immorality ruins marriages and families. There's a lot of entertainment choices that show sin for what it is. And if you're watching something and it's making something sinful look good, probably not the will of God, not good and acceptable and perfect. And I'm not saying, and this is where it's, it's tricky, you can't just go by the rating system the government puts on something to decide, is this good or not? You can have something PG that makes something sinful look appealing and right. And you can have something that's rated PG-13 and it can show something that's bad, but it can show it as being bad and as against God. So you just have to discern, like, what are they saying? What are they communicating? What values are behind what I'm watching? So I hope, hopefully that helps you give you a category. Uh, and this is, this is what I see happening a lot. And, and they're making bad things look good. And listen to what Isaiah 5.20 says about that. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them who make something evil look good. We don't want to participate in that, okay? That's being conformed to the world if we follow those values. Third question, why do I want to watch this? Just ask that question of yourself. What's entertaining about it? Um, You know, why did I enjoy that movie? Why do I like that? Talk about it. I love hearing families that go to a movie and afterwards go get coffee, go hang out and talk about, like, what was in that movie? What did we just watch? What did we just see? What values were there? Are we tempted in any ways? You know, what was good about that? What was wrong about that? Did they make anything sinful look good? Just having conversations helps our hearts discern the will of God. Um, too, too often we think in categories of permissible or not permissible. When I think it's sometimes helpful to ask, was that beneficial? You know, how can we grow from this? How can we learn something from what we just watched? And then finally, here's a fourth question I would ask you. Mainly, uh, I was going to say teens. I think this goes across the board. Am I seeking to escape from something I should be facing by watching this? So am I doing this? Am I, am I scrolling? My, am I entertaining myself to avoid doing something I know I should be doing right now? And I think that's just laziness. And listen, when we start getting out our phones and entertaining ourselves because we're avoiding doing something good, I'm guessing what we're doing with our time on our phones or TVs is probably not the most beneficial because we're not being thoughtful. We're using it as a way to escape because we're bored, we're avoiding hard work, we're avoiding homework, we're avoiding our chores. You know, we're avoiding human, humans around us, talking to them and drawing them out. One of the things I loved about the greenhouse Uh, I wasn't with the girls, but with the guys, you know, these middle school guys sitting around and talking for an hour, and they were participating and throwing out answers and laughing, and uh, and then one of the boys started sharing his heart about something he struggled with this summer. There was fellowship going on, and I just thought, this is such a good use of time, fellowshipping and talking and talking about God and His Word and what He's doing in our hearts, you know, we had fun, we played games, we arm wrestled, Uh, it was entertaining to watch them arm wrestle. Uh, but, you know, so many times we get on devices because we're avoiding something else. So let me just finish with this, okay? If you're aware that there are things you've done against your conscience, maybe, you, you know, we're going to talk about this with our discussion time. If there's times you've, you've uh, avoided your conscience or gone against your conscience or just aware you've sinned against God maybe in what you've done online or what you've done with your phone, the good news is, 1 John tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Uh, you can have a fresh start. Every day, you can have a fresh start tonight. You can be forgiven. It says that he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's really the first step in being transformed and renewed in your mind. It's repenting. It's saying, God, forgive me for what I've done here. My conscience pricked me. I knew this was wrong and I did it anyway because of my sin. Forgive me for my sin. And you know what God loves doing? He loves forgiving us because of Jesus Christ. Just leaning in. I mean, he just loves forgiving us. He loves transforming us. And when we repent and when we ask forgiveness and when we confess it to a friend or to our parents and we go to them and say, this is what I've done, what's happening in that moment is our mind is being renewed. We're being transformed. And instead of drifting towards the world, we are growing to be more like Christ. 
So confessing it is the first step in being renewed in growing to be more like Christ.